continuing with the series on eternal judgment, which is the six out of the uh, six foundational doctrines uh, listed in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And that text verse is what we've uh, used in uh, this whole series of teachings, which um, reads, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go into perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith toward God, and of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And so, with regards to the doctrine of eternal judgment, we've had a look at uh, different aspects of uh, that uh, doctrine up until now. And we're dealing with, in this uh, series of teachings, the rewards that are available to the saints. Uh, for part of the eternal judgment that we'll be, we will incur is obviously to determine what our rewards will be for all eternity. And so the, we're looking at the rewards that are available to the saints as listed in, in the scriptures. And we're looking at this, we said that there are two categories of rewards that are available to the saints. Um, the first category are the, is the category that cannot be earned. And then the second category, which we'll look at later in the teaching, is the category of those rewards that in fact can be earned by the saints. Um, but we're dealing with firstly the category that can't be earned. And these are the, the rewards that are given freely to the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and we said that these rewards are available to each one of the saints uh, because of that which the Lord Jesus has, d has done for us. He has purchased these rewards for us uh, through his own precious blood in the sacrifice that he has made for us and he has thus made these rewards available to each one of his saints. And no one saint receives any more of these rewards than another because as we go through them we will see that each one of us receive exactly the same reward. Um, and we saw that when our Lord spoke about these rewards, um, it was primarily in the book of Revelation, in uh, chapters 2 and 3, uh, when he was writing the letters to the churches, the seven churches in Asia, which obviously pertains to the church today as well. And uh, each one of those letters, he records... Um, one or two rewards in each letter that he writes to the churches and he always um, prefixes the reward by stating to him who overcomes and then our Lord goes on to state what reward he has laid up in store for them and so we see that it is for those who are overcomers whom our Lord classifies as overcomers uh, who will then receive these particular rewards and we then ask the question, well, what does it mean to be an overcomer? What does our Lord uh, require of, of his church in order to, for them to qualify as overcomers so that they can then be um, able to receive these rewards from him? And we had a look at the scripture that the scripture very plainly teaches us that all who believe in Christ Jesus as Lord are in fact overcomers. Um, and the qualification in order to become an overcomer in Christ Jesus is to be in Christ Jesus and purely to be born again. Um, and we looked at a couple of scriptures along that line and the one scripture we can recount that is 1 John chapter 5 beginning at verse 4. The scripture says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And so we saw that all believers, in fact, 
are classified as overcomers. And that is the qualification we require in order to um, receive these particular rewards that our Lord has listed for us in the book of Revelation. And then we started looking at uh, the rewards that our Lord had listed for us. And we looked at the uh, first two of those rewards. And the one was that he would um, give us access to partake of the fruit of the tree of life. And... Uh, that we saw in Revelations chapter 2, verse 7, our Lord speaking, he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And we had a look at the fact that the, the tree of life is in fact a, a literal tree in the paradise of God, and the fruit is a literal fruit. And... Um, we saw a number of scriptures along that line. We saw that that particular tree was, in fact, uh, in the Garden of Eden. Those were the two trees in the midst of the garden. There was the tree of life, and there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And uh, Adam and Eve partook of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And when they did, God took them out of the Garden of Eden because he did not want them to then partake of the fruit of the tree of life because our, our God, our Father, said that had they partaken of that fruit, they would no longer die. Um, and so we see that the fruit of the, uh, of the tree of life is in fact sustenance for the physical body. And it gives uh, immortality, provides immortality to the physical body. And so our resurrected bodies that we will receive from the Lord on that day will require um, nourishment from the, the, the tree of life. The fruit of the tree of life is, is something that we would need to have access to because that particular fruit will be nourishment for our resurrected bodies and thus making them immortal. And we saw that even when our Lord returns to the earth to reign on the earth for his millennial reign, that uh, the prophet Ezekiel um, and that was in Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 12. The prophet Ezekiel was shown uh, those trees growing on the riverbanks um, in the city of Jerusalem. And so it's not only that the, the tree of life is located in the paradise of God. And in, in the book of Revelation, we saw in Revelation 22 that that tree is on either side of the river, which is in the middle of the street of gold in uh, the new Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem. And we, we looked at what that really would look like. And it's more than one tree. In fact, there's, uh, the, the whole uh, river course is lined with the trees of life. And uh, the Bible talks about the fact that those trees will produce fruit once every month. And it's a different type of fruit every month. And that is the fruit that our Lord will give us access to. And uh, that is the, one, the first reward that our Lord lists for his saints, for those who overcome. And then we saw the second one that our Lord spoke about was in Revelation 2, 11. He said, he who has ear to, ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. And so we expanded on what the second death is. And we saw that the second death is, in fact, the lake of fire and brimstone. Um, which burns outside of the city of the heavenly city of Jerusalem. And <clears throat> all who are unbelievers will find their part in the lake of fire and brimstone um, on their day of judgment. We saw that that particular lake had not been prepared for mankind. It had been prepared for Satan and his angels. 
However, most of mankind have chosen not to accept the sacrifice of Jesus our Lord. For in fact, as we saw in scripture, our Lord is the one who actually tasted death for all. And the death that he tasted for all is in fact the second death that man uh, is not meant to partake of. Because the scripture does teach us uh, in the book of Hebrews that it is appointed for uh, all men once to die and after that the judgment. And so the, the, the death that our Lord put, partook of on our behalf is in fact the second death. And so no man needs to incur the second death because our Lord has paid the price for that. However, most of mankind choose to ignore the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus and thus will incur the second death. And we saw that the, that uh, lake of fire and brimstone will be on the outside of the heavenly city of Jerusalem and that uh, we will be able to, we saw that in the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 66, we saw that we as believers will be able to go up to that lake and view those who have, um, well, let's just read that scripture because it's, it's, it's quite a graphic scripture. Um, he, Isaiah chapter 66, beginning in verse 22. And this is God the Father speaking. He says, For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants in your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come and worship before me, says the Lord. And they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me. For their worm does not die, and their fire is not quenched. And they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. And um, in the book of Revelation, it talks about the fact that, that the, the smoke of that furnace will rise up uh, for all eternity be, before the Lamb and before the angels of God. And so we will be able to actually see those who are in torment for the rest of eternity um, when we are, well, that, that lake will be uh, located just outside of the city of Jerusalem, uh, the heavenly city of Jerusalem, that is. Um, and that we've seen in Scripture that we will still observe uh, the new moons and we'll observe uh, the Sabbaths, um, but it'll be different. It, it's not uh, that which is done on the earth today is types and shadows of that which is done in heaven, and we'll partake of that. And so those are the two rewards that we've see, looked at so far, the first being that we'll partake of the fruit of the tree of life, and the second is that we will not be we will not incur the second death um, as believers. And so now we want to have a look at some further rewards that our Lord listed for us in the book of Revelations today. The one we want to look at uh, now is the, the hidden manna. Our Lord has said to us that he will give us uh, of the hidden manna to eat uh, for those who overcome. And the scripture is in Revelations chapter 2, beginning in verse 17. The scripture says, He who has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And so our Lord has promised that those who overcome, which are his saints, we will partake of the hidden manna. So the question remains, well, is asked then, well, what is the hidden manna? Well, our Lord referred to himself as the bread of heaven. Um, and in fact, that is the hidden manner. It is the Word of God. Let's have a look at some scripture along this line. In John chapter 6, verse 31, here's a bit of a, a discourse taking place between the Jews and our Lord Jesus about the manner from heaven. 
And so they're talking first, the Jews, and they say, Our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Verse 32, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. And so our Lord Jesus is equating himself to the manna, the true manna from heaven, the bread of, of heaven. And in fact, that's exactly the case. For our Lord Jesus is the living word, and we as believers partake of the living word as sustenance for our spirits. It is our spiritual food. The Word of God is, in fact, our spiritual fruit. Our spirits uh, need the Word of God in order to be able to uh, sustain life and obviously to grow. Remember when our, our Lord was in the wilderness and He was tempted by the devil? He was physically hungry at the time because He had fasted for 40 days. And uh, the devil tempted Him uh, with physical food. And our Lord's reply to him, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so when our Lord was talking along those lines, he was not talking about physical nourishment there. He was talking about spiritual nourishment. For our spirits are born of the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. And our spirits require the word of God in order to uh, be sustained and also um, to live. For our Lord said, man shall not live by bread alone, but shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so our spirits definitely need the word of God. Now, our Lord Jesus equated himself to the true bread which came down from heaven. Now, in, in the Psalms, Psalm 78, verse 24 and 25, the scripture said, had rained down manna on them to eat and given them bread of the bread of heaven. Verse 25, men ate angels' food. He gave them food to the full. And so the food that, uh, the manna that the children of Israel ate when they were in the wilderness, the scripture tells us, was in fact angels' food. And that was the bread of heaven, which was manna. And so it is a, a physical substance as well uh, that can be partaken of and thus sustained the physical body. God was able to do that. But uh, primarily, the, the, the manna from heaven is in fact the word of God, and that manna will sustain our spirits when we dwell with our Lord for all eternity. And the scripture we can have a look at, which just explains the spiritual aspect to the manna of heaven, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 3. Um, Paul writing to the church, and he says, all ate the same uh, spiritual food. Speaking about the Jews who were in the wilderness and they were eating the manna from, from heaven. Paul, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, refers to that manna as spiritual food. And then he goes on to say, And all ate drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So just as our Lord Jesus Christ was the rock that um, gave the Jews in the wilderness um, physical water to drink, which in fact uh, the Holy Spirit tells us was spiritual drink because it emanated from the Lord Jesus himself. 
So he also says that the, the, the physical food that they ate, which was manic, was physical. They could bake it and they could boil it and um, make wafers out of it. In fact, it originated as spiritual food, for it originated from um, the, the, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the bread of heaven. And so um, the manna that we will eat of in heaven it most probably will take on the form of physical food. For in the Psalms we saw that um, it, the manna that the children of Israel ate in the wilderness was angels' food. And they partake of, of the, that, type, that nourishment, that is the bread of heaven. And so we will also partake of that. But in fact, it all uh, emanates from our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Word of God. The Bible teaches us that very plainly. And so our spirits will require that nourishment from the Lord and we will um, partake of the Word of God. In what form? The scripture doesn't really give us insight into that, except maybe we can look at the manner that the children of Israel ate, uh, Israel ate um, as an example of what that uh, type of food actually does look like. But we will be able to partake of it. There are two accounts in scripture given to us where um, the Lord's prophets actually did partake of literally of the Word of God. And the first was in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 2. Um, Ezekiel the prophet was given a scroll which, on which was written the Word of God and he ate of the scroll and it tasted like honey in his mouth and uh, he partook of the Word of God. The other one example given to us is in the book of Revelation that was in Revelation chapter 10. Um, the Apostle John was given a book to eat. And the scripture says that, you know, when he partook of that book, in fact, it tasted as honey in his mouth, but it became as bitter in his stomach once it had gone down. But they were speaking about prophetic word that John had to utter. But the point was that I wanted to get across here is that in those two instances, both uh, the prophet Ezekiel and the Apostle John were given literal books and scrolls to eat. And they ate them. And they were, in fact, the Word of God. And so what form the hidden manna will take on when we are partake of that hidden manna in heaven, um, Scripture is not clear of. But the point does come across quite strongly to us is that that hidden manna is, in fact, the Word of God in whichever form it will come. And that Word of God will be nourishment for our spirits. Just as we saw that the fruit of the tree of life would be nourishment for our resur resurrected bodies, so the hidden manna will be nourishment for our spirits. Um, for man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That doesn't change when we get into heaven. Uh, it continues. We will continue to uh, need to uh, partake of the word of God in order to sustain ourselves throughout all eternity. And so that is one of the other rewards. Don't forget, these are all the rewards that are available to the saints because they are the saints of God and not because they have done any major, any works and so on, thus deserving. And so no one saint will receive more manna than another. We will all partake of the hidden manna given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. And then we come to another reward that our Lord has listed for us. And that is that each one of us will receive a new name. And uh, the scripture we will have a look at is in Revelation 2.17. It's at the same time that our Lord spoke about the hidden manna that he spoke about this new name. And so he says, He who has ears to hear, 
Uh, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone. And on the stone, a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. And so each one of us will be given a new name by God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ on that day. And no one will know that name except the, the recipient of the name and obviously God our Father and our Lord Jesus. They will know that person's name. Now, um, it's, it sounds kind of strange, but that's the, that is the, the um, reward that we have in store waiting for us. Now, when we're on the earth, we are named on this earth by our parents. And the name given to a child should describe the character of the child. And that is what that person's, that person's name is um, for the rest of their time on earth. However, when we stand before the Lord on that day, He's going to give us each a new name. Now, as I said, the name that we're given on the earth should describe the character of the individual who has been named that name. Now, God does that because we've seen examples in Scripture that when God calls an individual to do something for Him, uh, in a special way, um, that he actually has, in the past, changed their names. Uh, there's a couple of examples in Scripture. The one we look at is in is Abraham. Before Abraham's name was Abraham, his name was Abram, and uh, that meant father. That was the, what his name meant. When God called him, God said, uh, and we can look at the Scripture now, as in Genesis chapter 17, verse 5, God the Father speaking, all our Lord speaking, He says, No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. Why? For I have made you a father of many nations. And so here God uh, um, gives us an insight as to how He names an individual. For God named Abraham that which God had made Abraham to be the father of many nations. And so that was who Abraham became. And so the name that we will receive from God our Father on that day and our Lord Jesus will describe who we are to God the Father and it will describe our, our character and our, who we are to be for all eternity. And each one of us will receive an individual name. There's not going to be a case of there's going to be a whole bunch of Johns in heaven. There's going to be a whole lot of Peters in heaven. There's going to be a whole lot of Michaels in heaven. And when the Lord calls Michael, you know, there's going to be about a, a million Michaels saying, Lord, you're speaking to me? No, not at all. Each one of us will have our own individual name. Uh, you say, well, that's a lot of names. Well, God is able to do that. Um, just have a look at a scripture that gives us a bit of insight on that is in Psalm 147, verse 4. Scripture says, He counts the number of the stars. He calls them all by name. Now, in the observable universe, the Scripture tell, in the Scripture, the scientists tell us that there is, this is just in the observable universe, there are over one billion trillion stars that we can see. Now, the scripture tells us that God calls each one of them by name. 
each star has a different name uh, given to them by God. Now that's just the physical stars that are out there. And so with regards to his saints, his church, uh, it is definitely going to be the case that each one of us will receive a unique name and that name will only be for us. And no one else will ever have that name. And no one else will know that name. Now, you know, you, you, uh, I, I've, I've heard people say, oh, you know, somebody prophesied over me and they said, this is your name that you're going to have in heaven. And then they quote a name like John or James or something like that. Um, and that is so in the flesh, that is so unscriptural. For, for the scripture says that no one knows the name. Just read it again. <clears throat> uh, that our Lord said, um, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. And so, no, none of us know in this life what our new names are going to be. That will only be revealed to each one of us when we stand before the Lord on that day, and he gives to each one of us that white stone, and on that stone will be written our new name. And we will then know what God actually thinks about us and what he, what he has called us to be for all eternity. Uh, remember what he did with Abraham? You're no longer Abram, but you are now Abraham. For I have made you the father of many nations. And so when God names an individual, he names them for what he has made them to be or to become. And so that is the name that each one of us will receive from our Lord Jesus on that particular day. And what a, a glorious um, reward that is for each one of us. And again, um, no one saint will receive two names. Uh, each one of us will receive one name from the Lord, one white stone. And we, again, we are saying these are the rewards that are freely given to each one of the saints. These are not the rewards that are earned. We're still going to get to those particular rewards. And these are the ones that are given to each one of his saints. The next reward that we will receive from our Lord, and there's going to be, you know, these are all eternal rewards. And, you know, um, it's difficult for us in the natural, in this life, to understand the, the... the ramifications of these particular rewards, the, the eternal um, ramifications, for want of a, bit, of a better word. It's very difficult to explain spiritual things in natural language. But, you know, somebody says, well, you know, a white stone with a name, well, what's the big deal? I mean, we have no idea what a big deal it is until we stand before the Lord and we actually do get, receive that name. Um, believe you me, it'll be a big deal um, because you know when remember our Lord, He's the one who's been given the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess Christ Jesus as Lord. Now even our Lord Jesus will receive a new name. He's, he is going to have an, a new name. The Bible teaches us that in the Book of Revelations, and so God places great emphasis on names. For the name of the person is who the person is. You and, and, and your name are, are one and the same. You know, we don't look at you and think of John Smith if your name is Michael Ma. We, you know, Michael Ma is Michael Ma. That's the person and that's the name that goes with that particular person. And so that will be our eternal reward. And so we get to the next uh, reward that our Lord mentioned in the book of Revelation, which is listed in Revelations 2, beginning in verse 26. And our Lord says, And he who overcomes shall keep my works until the end, and keeps, sorry, and keeps my work until the end, to him 
I will give power over the nations and I will give him the morning star. I don't want to touch on having power over the nations just yet. We'll look at that later on in the teaching. But uh, look at verse 28. And I will give him the morning star. So what does it mean when our Lord says he will give to us the morning star? Well, he's going to give us uh, of himself on that day. Um, in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 16, our Lord describing himself. He says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. So our Lord Jesus is the morning star. He is the bright and morning star. And he says, I will give him the morning star. That is something that he is going to give to each one of his saints on that day. He is the morning star. He is going to give us of himself on that day. Remember, uh, the scripture says that when we see him, we will be like him. Why is that? For we will see him as he is. And so we will become the morning star, for we will be a reflection of Christ. For our Lord will give us the morning star which is himself hard to get our minds around again these are spiritual truths um, and in the natural they don't really make a lot of sense but these are the rewards that are available to us as we meditate upon them and we allow the Lord to open them up to us spiritually speaking uh, they become more real to us the Apostle Peter gave us a bit more insight along this line of being uh, becoming partakers of the morning star and that is in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 19 he says and so we have the prophetic word confirmed which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place speaking about where we are now until the day dawns and the morning star rises where Peter in your hearts and so the morning star is our Lord Jesus Christ. He himself will rise in our hearts. Um, kind of a glimpse into this now would be when our Lord Jesus was transfigured on the Mount of uh, Transfiguration. Remember, he takes up uh, on the mountain with him to pray uh, Peter, James, and John, those three. They go with him on the mountain to pray. And that night while he is praying, he is transfigured before them. And the Bible talks about the fact that his clothes become white and glistening and he becomes uh, transformed and he, you know, his countenance becomes like the sun shining in, the, in, in, in its strength. And um, Moses and Elijah appear to our Lord in glory and they converse with our Lord Jesus talking about what he was going to accomplish when he went to the cross. Um, but the glory of God shone through the Lord Jesus in that moment. Um, so much so that even the clothing that he wore became white and glistening. And the scripture says, white like no launderer on earth can make it white. And so it, our Lord had been wearing normal clothes. And because of the glory that was made manifest in him, being made manifest through him, it even affected the clothing he was wearing. And so on that day when we see our Lord Jesus face to face and we become like him, as the scripture tells us we will, that is what Peter is talking about when he says the morning star will rise in our hearts because Christ in us will then display through us and we will become uh, white and glistening and uh, shine forth as bright as the noonday sun. 
Um, and so that's kind of what this particular award is referring to, that we will become the morning star for our Lord is saying to us, he will give us the morning star, which is himself, and we will be partakers of that. So again, these are our rewards that are completely outside of what this world, we could even begin to imagine in this world, um, because we don't see it. We've never seen stuff like this, but this is what we will see um, when we stand before the Lord on that day. And now we want to have a look at uh, another two rewards uh, that our Lord mentioned. And then I'm going to close off today's teaching on these two rewards. And we'll get on to the others in the next teaching. And the two rewards that I want to touch on now is the white garment that we will be given and the fact that our names are in the book of life. And so the, the scripture we want to look at is in Revelation chapter 3 verse 5. Our Lord speaking, he says, and our Lord puts these two rewards together. He, he, he links the two together. And we're going to understand why he does that as we go through this particular scripture and explain it. He says, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. And so, these particular uh, saints will, these are the overcoming saints, which we've already discussed, will receive each one a white garment, and our names will not be blotted out of the book of life. Now, we mentioned it earlier in a, a previous teaching that everybody's name is in the book of life, and our names, an individual's name can be blotted out of the book of life. Because when we discussed the second death, we said it was never God's intention that any man should end up in the lake of fire and brimstone because that lake was always prepared for Satan and his angels, were not prepared for mankind. So every man who comes into the earth uh, is born of God, and uh, I'm talking about as a child now, um, and their names are recorded in the book of life. What happens is that eventually their names get blotted out of the book of life if they choose not to accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so our Lord, in talking about this reward that will be given to the saints of being given a white garment, he says, he links it by saying, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. And so our names are in the book of life. And we have these white garments that are in store for us when we um, get, well, not get to heaven, but when we stand before the Lord Jesus on that day. In fact, when we get to heaven now. But uh, I don't want to get into the technicality of that. But let's have a look at what this white garment is so we can have a, a better understanding of it. The, uh, the scripture we'll look at is in um, Revelation chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. And again, uh, we do need to see the importance of why it is that our Lord has linked this white garment to our names not being blotted out of the book of life. So those who have a white garment have their names in the book of life. Uh, keep that in mind. So the scriptures tells us, Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know, so he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And so this is a picture of the church for the very first time 
worshipping before the throne of God. If you read the, the preceding verses of Scripture, you'll see that the, that is the context. Um, and each one of the saints have on a white robe, and the Bible talks about the fact that they've got palm leaves, uh, palm branches in their hands, and they are worshipping before the throne. And so that's the very first time we see the body of Christ, the church of our Lord Jesus, worshipping before the throne uh, of God the Father. And the angel comes to, or one of the elders, sorry, it wasn't an angel. Uh, you, you, you recall there's 24 elders that are seated on thrones around the throne of God. And so it's one of those elders who comes to John, and he asks the question. He says to John, you know, who are these in these robes? And John says, you know, I, I paraphrase, he said, I don't know, you know. And so he, the elder then explains, and he says who they are. And he says, these are the ones that come out of the great tribulation. Now, it's, it's very important to us to also pick up some of the comments made in heaven, uh, because it just gives us some insight as to how heaven views things. Um, and so this elder says, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. Now, when he says these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, he's talking about every single saint who stand before the throne of God. These are not a, a select group of saints. This is every single saint. Um, now, I know the scripture does talk about, our Lord talks about it when he was on the earth. And he spoke about the, the, the time of a great tribulation that will occur on the earth. And that is when the Antichrist rules on the earth. Uh, that's what our Lord was referring to, uh, a period of great tribulation. And he said there would you know, there's been nothing as bad as that since time began. And there won't be anything as bad as that after that, um, tribulation-wise. But that is not um, what he's referring to when he says, what this elder is referring to when he talks about the Great Tribulation. What the elder is referring to is life on the earth. Heaven views life on the earth as a, a tribulation that we go through. For the scripture tells us very plainly in the book of Acts and other places in the epistles that we are, are called to go through tribulations. It's through many tribulations that we enter into the kingdom of God. And so it, heaven views uh, the saints' life on earth as a great tribulation. And we are meant to go through many tribulations. Now, it's not a happy subject to talk about, but in fact, that is the truth of the matter. We're meant to go through tribulation. Why is that? Because we're meant to re receive great reward from God our Father. And uh, great tribulation equals great reward. And so to the degree of tribulation that we actually go incur on the earth, that is the degree of reward we can expect uh, on that day from our Lord Jesus. Um, and I don't want to go into, into all the technicalities on it, but it, it goes all the way down to martyrdom. And martyrdom is the greatest uh, persecution we can expect on the earth. And the martyrs of our Lord Jesus have uh, roughly the greatest rewards uh, in store for them in heaven. But... He says, uh, these are those who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white. Where? In the blood of the Lamb. And so every saint makes their robes white and washes their robes in the blood of the Lamb. For it is only through the blood of the Lamb that we are cleansed from all unrighteousness. And so that is how our robes, in fact, are made white and washed um, because they are washed in the blood of the Lamb. But there is another aspect to our garments being made white in heaven and it's not only the blood of the lamb that impacts on our garments there is another aspect that impacts on our garments as well and we can have a look at that truth in um, the book of revelation uh, chapter 19 in verse 8 
This is describing the bride of Christ. Uh, again, the previous verses, if you go look at it in context, it's uh, describing the bride of Christ. And the scripture says, And to her who is the bride of Christ, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. And the, uh, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And so we see that the, the, the whiteness of our garments and, and the, um, the fine linen that we will be given to wear in heaven on that day also uh, is impacted by the righteous acts that we do on the earth. And so the righteous deeds that we do on the earth will have an impact on the um, cleanness and the brightness of the garments we're given to wear when we are in heaven. And so our garments are made white in the blood of the Lamb, but also our righteous acts have an impact on the brightness and the cleanness of their God. How that transpires and how that plays out in heaven, Scripture doesn't give us a lot of insight along that line. I will know all about that when we get to heaven and those garments are given to us. Nevertheless, uh, the Bible says very plainly, the fine linen that the, the bride of Christ is given to, to wear are in fact the righteous acts of the saints. So uh, however many righteous acts we have done will have an impact on the cleanness and the brightness of the garment that we're given to wear when we are in heaven on that day. Um, now our Lord mentioned these garments twice in the book of Revelation. Uh, when he speaks to his churches. The one time he mentions the garments, he speaks to the church in Sardis, and the second time he mentions the garments, he speaks to the church in Laodicea. And so, it, it, because this is one of the rewards, now again, now we're going to touch on the aspect of names being blotted out of the book of life, because remember our Lord linked the two together. When we go back and we read it again. Um, he says, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, Revelation 3, 5, and I will not blot out his name of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. And so very clearly, um, our Lord is, is linking the two, the white garments and names in the book of life. One of the other things he links here, when he says, and I will not blot out his name out from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He links those two aspects together. So the saint who has his name in the book of life can expect and will have his name confessed by the Lord Jesus before God the Father and the angels. And so the Lord will uh, acknowledge ownership of this saint. And he will say, um, Father, Michael is mine. And angels of God, Michael is mine. And so that is what he's saying. You know, he'll confess our name before the Father and before his angels. Uh, might be that he confesses our new name. I don't know. The Lord knows what name he's referring to there. But the fact is that uh, the name of that saint is not blotted out of the book of life. And the name of that saint is confessed before the Father by the Lord Jesus and confessed before the angels of God by the Lord Jesus. So why was that so important that we, we pick up on that? Well, again, as I mentioned, our Lord speaks about the white garments twice uh, in the book of Revelation. He speaks about it twice. And the one, as I said, he talks uh, about the garment when he talks to the church in Sardis and then about the garment when he talks to the church in Laodicea. 
So when he speaks to the church in Sardis, um, he makes some, a comment which is actually quite disturbing um, because he's talking to the church. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to uh, his saints. And one of the things, because now that was um, Revelation 3, 5 we read. So the preceding verse to Revelation 3, 5 is Revelation 3, 4. And this is our Lord speaking. And he says, you have a few names, even in Sardis, who what? Who have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. And so here is a very astounding statement that our Lord makes. For he says, you have a few names in Sardis who have not defiled their garments. So their garments are white and intact and are clean. And they shall walk with me in white. And our Lord is saying, this is the reward in store for them. For they are worthy. So now, that's fine. That's a description of the saints, the overcoming saint. Because our Lord said, you know, he who overcomes, I will give, um, and this, just get that wording again, when, um, shall be clothed in white garments, and I'll not blot his name out of the book of life. But look at what our Lord is implying here. Go back to verse 4. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. So our Lord is implying very strongly here that you have a few names in Sardis who have defiled their garments. And so there are some saints in that church who have defiled their garments. And so the consequence for the saint who has not defiled their garments, our Lord says, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The consequence for the saint who has defiled their garment is this, they shall not walk with me in white, for they are no longer worthy. And so when a saint defiles their garment, that is a very serious issue um, because it speaks about loss of salvation. And right at the outset of this teaching on eternal judgment, we did teach on the fact that it is uh, uh, possible for a, a believer to lose their salvation. And you know, we're not going to go through that teaching anymore because we go right at the outset. Um, but here he's saying... And he's implying very strongly that there were, in fact, uh, saints in Sardis who had defiled their garments. And as a result, they were no longer worthy and they would not walk with him in, uh, in white, um, obviously in heaven. And so what, what would happen to those saints? Remember, our Lord linked it. He said, you guys that are overcomers, you will walk with me in white, you'll get receive white garments, and I will not blot out your name out of the book of life, and I will confess your name before God the Father and the angels in heaven. Uh, kind of a paraphrase, but that's pretty much what the Lord said. The saints who had defiled, this is the church in Sardis now, the saints who had defiled their garments very strongly implied that they were no longer worthy and they would not walk with the Lord in white. Why is that? Because now those individuals are the ones who would have their names blotted out of the book of life and their name would not be confessed before the Father or before His angels. Let's go back and just read that um, uh, passage of Scripture again that our Lord uh, mentioned because it's very important. 
He said, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will blot, not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. So now let's have a look at that in converse in relation to the saints that our Lord strongly implied, because he said you have those a few there in Sardis. He didn't say many. Hey? Uh, let's just go back there quickly. He says, you have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. So he's talking about saints who have garments, and certain saints had defiled their garments. And it seems that the majority had defiled their garments. For he said, you've got a few names who have not defiled their garments, and they're worthy, and they'll walk with me in white. He says, uh, so now we're going to do the converse. We're looking at now the saints who actually did defile their garments. These are the ones that our Lord implied have defiled their garments. They're no longer worthy. They won't walk with him in white. He who overcomes, who does not overcome, shall not be clothed in white garments, and I will blot out his name from the book of life, for their name was in the book of life, and now their names are being blotted out, and I will not confess his name before my father and before his angels. And so very clearly, these saints who have defiled their garments uh, in, in the church of Sardis um, are in the place where their names are going to be blotted out of the book of life and our Lord Jesus will not confess their name before the Father or before his angels. So how do they get there? What, what is the, the, the point that they reach to, to get to that point? Well, it's not because they committed sin. Um, sin eventually get, gets them there. But it's not because they were sinful. Um, because, you know, that's, we've already dealt with the fact that even uh, Christians who practice sin uh, will be in heaven. Um, by the grace of God, they'll get there because, you know, there are some saints who don't get there. And clearly, some of these saints in Sardis were saints. They had clean garments but they had since defiled their garments. And as a result of defiling their garments, our Lord had blotted their names out of the book of life. And as a result of that, he's, he would no longer confess their name before God the Father or the angels of God. So what is the, the sin that they committed in order for that to happen? Well, what did our Lord say? Who are those that he will not uh, confess before God? And who are those that he will deny before God the Father and before his angels? Let's have a look at the scripture. Matthew chapter 10, verse 33. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. That's Matthew 10, 23. And then Luke 12, 9 says, But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And uh, Paul, in writing uh, to the churches, um, Timothy, I think it is, he says, uh, if we deny him, he will deny us. And so that is the, the defiling of the garment that takes place. When a saint gets to the point where they deny the Lord Jesus Christ, then they have defiled their garments. They are no longer worthy um, to walk with him in white. They have their names blotted out of the book of life, and our Lord no longer acknowledges them and confesses them before God the Father and, God, and the angels of God. He, in fact, denies them. Why is that? Because they have denied him. And so it is when an, a, a believer gets to that point in their lives that they deny the Lord Jesus Christ, 
that is when they defile their garments and are no longer worthy to walk with our Lord Jesus Christ in white. And that's why our Lord links these two rewards together. Wearing the white garment, being given the white garment, and also not having your name blotted out of the book of life and having your name confessed before God and having your name confessed before the angels of God. Because the saint who gets to the point where they deny the Lord they are the ones that defile their garment. And they cannot undefile their garment. It's done. The deed is done. Now, how do they get to that point? They go back right to this, the beginning of the teaching on the series of eternal judgment. We dealt with um, the sin to death, and that is denying Christ. Christians can commit the sin to death. How do they get there? They start off in sin. And as Paul teaches us, the wages of sin is death. And he's talking to believers. He's not talking to unbelievers. Um, they are already spiritually dead. They've already been condemned. But he's talking about Christians who continue to practice sin. Um, they are fortunate if they get to heaven, um, if they don't you know, reach this point before that time, because sin hardens the heart. The Bible teaches us in the book of Hebrews, the deceitfulness of sin hardens our hearts. And we drift away. The Bible talks about the fact that we can drift away from the truth. And so those who begin to practice sin in their lives begin to drift away from the truth and they become more and more hardened and they have their consciences seared and they get to the point where Christianity means nothing to them anymore. Jesus really uh, it's, uh, it means nothing anymore in my life. Um, my life means more to me and, and the sinful practices that I'm involved in, that means more to me. And they get to the point where they actually deny Christ. When they do that, they defile their garments, their names are blotted out of the book of life, and they will not be confessed. Our Lord says, you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father and before his angels. And so that is where this church at Sardis had gotten to. Not all of them, but it seemed like the majority had. For he said, our Lord said, you have a few names there who have not defiled their garments. Translated means you have quite a few names there who have defiled their garments and are no longer worthy. The second time that our Lord spoke about the white garments was when he spoke to the church in Laodicea. Um, now, in their case, they hadn't defiled their garments. Uh, in their case, the, our Lord says, you've got no garments. And, uh, that's a, that's a, I still battle to get my mind around that, but that's what our Lord said. In the scriptures in Revelation 3, verse 18, our Lord speaking, he says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and what? And white garments, that you may be clothed, that your, the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. And so remember we read earlier that the, the, the fine linen given to the, the, the bride of Christ are in fact the righteous acts of the saints. Now it seems that the church in Laodicea had no righteous acts. They had become so worldly in their, their uh, lifestyle that they, our Lord says, you guys are naked. You need to be buying white garments from me so that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And so they hadn't defiled their garments. They just didn't have any. And so I don't know what the situation is like but in, 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 for them. Um, I don't know how they were going to get into heaven without any garments, but uh, there it is. Our Lord said to that particular church, you guys have got no garments. You need to be buying them from me. Um, I counsel you to buy from me 
uh, that you may be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And so we should most definitely as believers be conducting uh, righteous acts on the earth. Um, we need to be doing uh, um, deeds of righteousness so that our garments may be bright and clean in heaven when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ on that day. And uh, yeah, the, the, these, this last, these last two rewards are uh, a bit controversial um, because you know, we don't really look at it from that point of view. We just assume because we're saints, we're going to be given our white robes when we get to heaven. We're going to be given our palm branches. And by far, the vast majority of the saints, that's exactly what will happen. It, not many of the saints will reach the, the place where some of the saints in Sardis had gotten to where they had actually uh, become so uh, sinful in their practices that they had reached the point where they had committed the sin to death and denied Christ and thus defiled their garments and were no longer worthy. But there are a lot of saints that are pretty much in the, the, the boat of the church in Laodicea in that the, the righteous acts that they do are minuscule, if, if any, and they need to be you know, buying garments from the Lord and practicing righteous acts on the earth so that when they stand before the Lord in that day that they do have um, garments that are bright and clean because they have been made uh, bright and clean uh, through those righteous acts that they've committed. And so those are the rewards that we want to deal with today. Um, just to recap again, we dealt with uh, the manna from heaven, which is in fact our Lord Jesus, uh, the, the hidden manna that we will be given part to partake of, which is in fact the Word of God that will sustain our spirits. Then we saw about the fact that we're going to be getting our new name given to us by God the Father and our Lord Jesus on that day, a completely individual name that only we will receive and only we will know. And that name will describe how God sees us and who God has created us to be for all eternity. And then we saw that um, we will, our Lord Himself will give us of himself on that day. The morning star will rise in our hearts and will make himself manifest through us. And then we saw the very important one that our garments, which have already been laid aside for us in heaven, for they have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, and they're ready for us in heaven. We need to make sure that we never defile those garments. Um, and you know, it's a very drastic step to defile our garments. And you know, obviously no saint wants to go down that road if they can at all avoid it. And then we certainly need to have garments. And, you know, those garments are there because we do righteous acts on the earth. And then obviously we keep our names in the book of life by not defiling our garments. And we continue to confess Christ before men in the earth. And our Lord confesses us before God the Father and his angels in heaven on that day. And those are the rewards that we're going to deal with today. Uh, the next uh, set of, last set of rewards we're going to look at that we can't really earn is the authority to rule and being pillars in the temple of God. And that we'll have a look at in the next teaching. But we'll end the teaching on that point today. Amen.